Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith. Guiding you to financial freedom are my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hello, Matthews. How's it going? Brad. Hi, Casey. Guys, today we got an interview teed up with Randy Hargett. Randy is a long-term care specialist with Capstone LTC Advisors. He's also an endorsed local provider with the Dave Ramsey Show. We've been using uh, Randy for a couple of years now here for our insurance needs. As a fee-only fiduciary firm, we don't sell product. We do advise on product, though. And we know when long-term care is needed. We know when life insurance is needed. And Randy is our uh, go-to guy. We also had Anthony Kirkland on a few episodes ago about Medicare and Medicaid. Or sorry, Medicaid. Yes, thank you. Those get easily flipped. They do. And he said the first line of defense is a good long-term care policy. Those are um, sometimes expensive. But what I find with a lot of things is these salespeople who sell these products, not Randy, will tend to overreach. So if you have $12,000 in need, they'll try to sell you $12,000 long-term care policy, and it's not affordable. Where if you think about it, you're getting... A certain amount from Social Security, a certain amount maybe from a pension, a certain amount from your own investment portfolios. Maybe there's only twenty five hundred or a three thousand dollar deficit that you should try to cover. Yeah, I don't think you necessarily have to have all the bells and whistles. And that was back when they had all the just the standalone policies as well. You, you mentioned there's a, a lot of other options um, besides the standalone with the hybrid policies and the life insurance hybrids. Well, let's go ahead and start the interview, and I'll see you guys on the other side. And with me today is Randy Hargett, long-term care specialist. Randy, we've sent you quite a few clients over the years, and we really appreciate how well you take care of them. Wiser runs in a fee-only environment, so we don't actually sell products, but we advise on a lot of products. And it's hard to find people that won't oversell, won't try to work in that whole life insurance policy that everybody needs for everything, it seems like. You're saving for college, saving for... (laughs) buying a car, buying a whole life insurance policy. And we really appreciate you taking care of the wiser client base. I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. I wanted to talk about long-term care. Let's talk about long-term care. (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of people say they can't afford it. And also a lot of people just don't really understand what it's for because they're never going to go to a nursing home. They're never going to be in assisted living. Why should they spend so much money on that policy? Well, this is what I've lived with for the last 18 years. Nobody is lined up just desiring to really know about long-term care insurance because it is the thing we think is not going to happen to us. And in in reality, when you look at long-term care, it is the greatest risk for anyone's estate that is especially over the age of 65. Just one quick note is even when people have their home paid off, they don't have a mortgage anymore, they will continue to maintain homeowner's insurance. And the likelihood of them needing to rebuild their house is about one out of 1,200 people in the United States. Now, if somebody reaches the age of 65, two out of every three will need to be cared for before they die. And so the risk is significantly greater than most any other insurance products that we purchase. And so what I like to do is help people to change their paradigm and look at long-term care in the same way they look at their homeowner's insurance. Because if you have your home paid off, you don't even have to have insurance anymore. Insurance is only required when you have a mortgage. And so if we really want to evaluate the risk, 
that our family faces, it's one of the greatest risks that most estates do face. In our financial planning process, we are able to stress test the plan. And one of those scenarios is one of the spouses go into a nursing home for three years. And the cost of that today is about eight grand a month. Inflation somewhere between what, four and 6% per year, depending on what region you're in. So that's going up about the same rate of return as your portfolio over the long term. There's a high rate of inflation. Cost of living, I estimate about 2.25%. This next year is going to be lower than that. But it puts a real big ding in being able for the surviving spouse to continue to live after such an event. Or it depletes all assets to the point where you're on Medicaid at that point. That's exactly right. And part of the reason that I'm passionate about this is because I'm actually a chemical engineer by degree, and I worked in product development for 3M for several years until both of my grandmothers went into the same nursing home at the same time. And they stayed there for about six years each with Alzheimer's. Yeah. And our family went through nearly $900,000 and wow. uh, they, both, they both died on welfare. And so I've seen it firsthand. And, you know, a lot of times we have to talk about this kind of situation in the right language. For example, uh, if I'm talking to a farmer and he's got 500 acres of land and that's where his asset base is. And if it's $4,000 an acre where he's at, if you start talking, listen, it's going to cost you two acres a month <laughs> to have to go into long-term care. Right. Um, speaking the language is very important because we all don't want this to happen to us. Right. So we stay in denial. And that's really where we want to help people understand that this is something that could affect your family in a terribly negative way. Well, not only that, but if we're going to end up in a nursing home or assisted living, the private pay facilities are much different than what we call our public pay or Medicare-based facilities. There's a big difference in, you know, you think the care would be the same, but maybe the facility's different. And that's not always the case. There are some also some bad private pay <laughs> places too, but certainly having the resources to have you in a better quality state of care is positive, especially when you can least demand it. In some cases, a loved one has to advocate for you. So let's kind of transition a little bit into what are the different types of policy options that we have available to us? Well, and this is a good segue because we tend to think nursing home and we tend to think assisted living when we hear the word long-term care, when in actuality, 80% of long-term care in America is still given to people in their own homes. And so when you look at a long-term care plan, home care is actually more important than facility care. It's not only where most of the care is given, but face it, we'd rather stay home than go yeah. to a facility if we could. And having a plan to be able to stay home is one of the top reasons that people look into long-term care insurance. And all of the plans that we would look at and that we do look at for your clients are comprehensive long-term care plans that cover the whole gambit of long-term care services, which would include nursing home, assisted living, adult daycare, Alzheimer's unit, and most importantly, home care. And that care can be skilled care or unskilled care, all the way from a nurse, all the way down to a sitter or somebody to help you with meal preparation or bathing or dressing. And when you really analyze this and you get honest, some of those things we would rather somebody else do for us than having a family member do it for us. Very true. Uh, the cost of 
round the clock in home care that that gets real expensive, usually around seventy five thousand a year. Yeah, the cost of twenty four hour home care is about the same as a nursing home. So a good strategy for a nursing home would also provide that care at home, should you be able to be cared at home. Cared yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Much more appealing in the long run. So kind of walk me through the different types of policies. We have like a traditional policy. Can you describe that? Basically, there's three ways to pay for long-term care services. One is using your assets to pay for the care. Two is after you've spent all your assets, then having the welfare system be able to pay for your care. Or three is transferring that risk to a long-term care insurance policy. And at a 30,000 foot view, there's three different strategies that we can look at. The first strategy is what we call traditional insurance, which is just like your homeowners. It's a pot of money or a pool of money that you get to select that you have available to help you pay for your care. And it's just insurance. There's no cash value or residual benefit or death benefit. It's just like your homeowners. If you need to rebuild your house, you've got the coverage. If you need to be cared for, you've got the coverage. If you don't ever need to be cared for, or if your house never burns down, you've just been covered. Yeah. Transferred that risk during your lifetime. And that's where about 70% of people land because it is significantly more affordable to do a traditional plan than the second strategy, which we call hybrid long-term care insurance. These are plans that do have the same kind of benefits for paying for long-term care services. But if you don't ever need to be cared for, that same policy would pay a death benefit to your heirs when you died. And so it actually becomes a plan that allows you to know that you're going to get a benefit from it whether you use the coverage for insurance or not. And probably about 20% of our clients land in that category. That category does what I like to do sometimes, Casey, is help people instead of saying hybrid long-term care insurance, it's what I would call a self-insurance plan that limits, that puts a cap on what you would have to self-insure. You can do it with a lump sum or you can do it with a 10 pay but in actuality, it's money that you would never lose. And so essentially, you're just repositioning it. Today, the hybrid plans not only are available like they've been, but there are some options even for using qualified funds for hybrid plans that allow you to spread out the tax burden over time and at the same time provide long-term care protection and a guaranteed income tax-free death benefit if you never used it for long-term care. Yeah, so so basically, maybe you have to write a check for $100,000, you get couple hundred thousand dollars in care, but if you never use it, then you're getting that money back through the, basically through life insurance. Yep. And because you use that strategy, the long-term care protection actually would extend beyond that $200,000. With a lifetime benefit. That's correct. And so, and there are some policies that have a limited benefit, some have a lifetime benefit, but overall it's a perfect strategy for somebody who says in their mind, oh, I can self-insure. Well, Let's do that. Let's self-insure, but let's transfer the majority of the risk to an insurance policy. And if you need to be cared for, you know that a certain portion of what you've repositioned here is going to be used for that care. So you've self-insured, but you have just put a cap on the self-insuring amount. So it's safe to say that this makes total sense to me that everybody should do it this way. However, the cost is higher. It's like buying a whole life insurance policy instead of a term life insurance policy. So it's going to cost you more. So is it safe to say that the people that are doing this are probably more of your affluent families that are buying this? Yes. And it definitely needs to be that way because let's say somebody has more than seven figures of an asset base and they say, well, I can self-insure. Well, 
And for sure, you could self-insure that one or two-year nursing home event that's going to cost you $150,000. And if that's all that it was, then you haven't had a catastrophe. Right. However, up front, if you take that same hundred to 150,000 and say, okay, I'm going to be willing to self-insure and I'm going to put this in a strategy that will protect the other 800,000. Right. Even if I had a 15 year Alzheimer's event, I could have an unlimited long-term care wall of protection to protect the rest of the state. And I've satisfied myself that what I have built up and saved over my lifetime, I'm actually using as a part of my care protection plan. Correct. What's the third way? The third strategy is what we call short-term care insurance, and it is typically a strategy that we use for people who have health issues or health problems that keep them from qualifying from one of the first two strategies, and it's limited benefits, maybe one or two years worth of coverage for a nursing home or for home care. Essentially, what that strategy does is builds a little hedge of protection to give your family some breathing room should you need to be cared for. And if everything is not in order, it gives you time to get those things in order while having a little bit of coverage. And the underwriting is much more liberal. And so people that have been declined for traditional or hybrid coverage can usually qualify for it. Let's go back to the traditional plan where you're paying monthly. You're going to pay premiums forever. Now, when I look at my clients in their 80s, I start seeing these letters from the launch repair companies saying, hey, we're going to double your premium in order to reduce, you know, that increase in premium, we're going to, you can take less of a benefit or, you know, no inflation or you know, they'll take away something for that. Is that, why is that happening in the industry? Well, back in the mid 1990s, when the Kennedy Kassebaum Act was passed that established tax qualified long-term care insurance, one of the significant elements of that regulation was that it needed to have a compounding inflation growth of the benefit. And for probably the first 15 years from 1995 to 2010, the only option was a 5% compounded annually inflation growth of your long-term care benefits. And what companies found out was they were promising a 5% growth rate. And there were years when they did not even earn 5% on their portfolios. And so they got behind the eight ball. The other element of that was that early on, most all of the plans were unlimited long-term care benefits. And after selling that for about 15 years, insurance companies started realizing we cannot actuarially properly calculate and right. the price of an unlimited benefit. And so typically most policies that have had an increase would be policies that did have a 5% compounded in their plan or an unlimited benefit. Now, what I can tell you is that since probably 2014, 2012 or 2014, most all of the companies now have their pricing set properly. Those early policies. So it's were, less likely to happen going forward. That's right. Because the early policies, long-term care is not a health insurance product. It is a life insurance product. And so when they started selling it, all of the assumptions were based on life insurance. And one of those assumptions was that 25% of the people that buy this will lapse it or drop it. And what they found after 10 or 15 years of running with that was that less than 1% of the people drop it. And wow. so they had miscalculated that assumption tremendously. So all of those things are now included in the current pricing. And what I would suggest to anybody that's listening to this, if you have a long-term care policy and you get a rate action notification that your price is going to be increased, 
Make sure that you call and talk to the agent that sold it to you. Or if you can't find them, call and talk directly to the insurance company because the federal regulations require them to give you some options. And that's what you mentioned there about reducing yeah. Yeah. Uh, the inflation protection. And when you do that properly, it usually does not negatively affect the policy. It happened to me in my personal policy in 2011, been paying on it for eight years, the same premium. They give me a price increase. Well, we had a 5% compounding inflation growth, and I just changed that to a 3% compounding. And in 2011, my premium went down instead of going up. And I've been paying that lower premium ever since. I've just had a little slower growth rate. And so I still have good catastrophic protection. And that's probably a good segue to talk about what people really need to think about on long-term care. We don't need to look at long-term care insurance as trying to find a policy that's going to pay for everything. What we're trying to do here is we're trying to prevent a financial disaster. And so having a policy that's going to give a good hedge, if you needed to spend 8000 a month on a nursing home, having a policy that's going to pay a good portion of that, it's either going to preserve your estate, or if you do have to spend some of your estate, you're not going to have to spend it nearly as fast. Right. So, I use this example that this is before Trump was elected, and he stole this from us because we would tell clients that they don't need to build a wall, they just need a fence, Right. That's exactly right. And the example of that is if nursing home is 8000 a month, let's say, and your social security is 2000 now you only need six because if you're in a nursing home, you're probably not going on vacation and cruising the world, right? So now you only need six, but then your portfolio generates another 2000 a month for you, you know, without a whole lot of hard work. So now we're down to 4000 right? And maybe you have a pension. Well, I don't know what those are, but if you had a pension and it's $500 a month, let's say, right? So you only need to cover, what am I down to now? $3,500 worth of protection and just add some inflation to that to make sure it keeps up with that 8,000 total cost. But I've had people, they don't work with us anymore, but (laughs) I've had people come in here one time in my office and talk to clients about long-term care and they tried to sell them the $12,000 a month policy. And it's scary when you look at that premium, but they tell you you have to do it. And they give you all these stories about what would happen if you didn't do it. And the reality is that's what we call overselling. At least that's how I look at it. That's the whole gist. We just, through planning, we can figure out what the deficit would be. And that's what we want to protect. Yep. And so what we do, I call it educational selling. And we could put the wiser on here that I have found that a lot of your clients are wiser. (laughs) when it comes to their finances. But I find that in the other parts of my business, I'm actually an endorsed provider for the Dave Ramsey show for South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and Southern Tennessee. And a lot of those folks have really listened to financial advice and they followed a plan. And if people get the right information, they can make an intelligent decision. And so what I tell everybody, when you talk about that 3,500 a month, We got down to all we need is a $3,500 a month long-term care plan. Well, there's an extra step, Casey, beyond just doing that calculation. Because we tell most of our clients that if you'll learn how this works and learn just that thought process of going through and really, you don't really need this big policy. You need something as a hedge. Even if we priced out a $3,500 a month policy with all the different companies and somebody did not like that price. All they have to do is say, okay, let's look at what a $2,500 a month policy would cost. 
Okay. And if they like that price and that's affordable, then we've still made a valiant effort toward not losing our asset base really fast. Right. So we may have to spend $500 a month from that asset base to supplement that, but it preserves it for a lot longer time. And so what that really means is that if you do this properly, everybody that looks at long-term care insurance can control the budget themselves that they want to spend on this. And so I'll talk to some people and they'll say, okay, let's do a $4,000 a month benefit. And by the time we've gone through several iterations of the conversation, they'll say, you know, well, we've studied it. And really what we can afford is about a $2,000 a month benefit. And we know that even though it's not the 4,000, when my family's having to handle my affairs, they're going to be glad that I had the 2,000 a month to help. Absolutely. I would say the example you said of the 12,000 a month, I run into that a lot where people have said, I looked at this and it was way too expensive. And just well, because they, they got connected with someone who's just trying to make a sale instead of actually think through how they can use their tools and products to actually, you know, benefit the person on the other side of the table. And that's pretty common. You're very different, Randy. So I never want to put you into this category, but we see that a lot where people come in at, we're the second opinion. And the end result is they were talking to someone who had to meet a quota. They had a boss and that boss said, Hey, I need you to sell five more of these policies by the end of this month. And of course, they're just trying to do that to move commission money around, basically. Absolutely. So that's the environment that we live in, but that's why we trust you. And I think you've done really well for the people that we've sent over to you. We appreciate your help. Well, I've enjoyed getting to know you guys. And I just know that even in the future, there's going to be more changes to this industry. And so we'll just stay on top of everything and make sure that we're presenting the best options for your clients to study. I want to end on this one last question. At what point, so there's a threshold. You talked about people that have enough money to self-insure, but then there's also another line below that of where they just can't afford the premiums and Medicaid is probably their route of best protection, if we call that protection. <laughs> so when you look at a client, how would you know to say, no, I don't need to sell. This person doesn't need to spend their money buying a policy. They need to cross their fingers. And then to the point where, okay, they could self-insure. Is there a dollar amount in your head? Well, in my head, the dollar amount is if somebody has a pretty good retirement income stream, and I run across this a lot with people who don't have a lot saved up, but they've got a great pension with the company that they worked for. Okay. And usually I'll use the $100,000 mark as a time to talk to somebody like that. However, my best rule of thumb is a question. (laughs) And the question is this. If paying for long-term care insurance is going to cause you to have to change your lifestyle in your retirement years, then you should not buy this insurance. Okay. If paying a long-term care premium is going to cause you to have to not go out to eat or not do something for the grandkids or not take the grandkids on a trip, and you're going to have to sacrifice something that would be important to your retirement years, then it's probably not the thing for you to do. So if we're eating ramen noodles in the corner to afford the premium and we're just waiting for the day to move in to the nursing home, that's probably not a good decision. That is not a good decision. Um, (laughs) And the only reason I use the $100,000 mark is because there are some people that do have, and they have a desire to leave what they can to their kids. And they have a good enough retirement income stream that they could provide a hedge of protection. And they might do a traditional plan and do a 
very modest amount of benefit that would still benefit their family and afford it. And so, well, that kind of goes with what we see. I mean, it, <laughs> it's okay if they spend it, it's okay if they give it away to their own family in the end, but it's not okay if the government takes it or if they spend it in healthcare. <laughs> Those That's are, exactly right. Those are two ways you don't want to lose your money, right? That's exactly right. So, yeah, I can see how that could be a natural finding for you. All right, Randy, well, enjoy the conversation. We'll do this again soon. Let's do it again soon. Thank you much. Y'all have a blessed day. Guys, I always like talking to Randy. He's always very to the point and has lots of information about policies. I feel like that world's changing all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of differences. We mentioned the different type of policies that have come along. There's even clients that think they can self-insure and they probably could self-insure. But the biggest issue with the self-insurance is they might be able to do that for the first few years. But if there was an event like Alzheimer's or an extended period where they were in a long-term care facility, that would really eat into their assets and who they would pass it down to their heirs or, or other spouse. So it's really a longevity play and, and important to the foundation of financial planning. Absolutely. Randy is always available to talk to anyone about long-term care needs or life insurance needs. You can reach him at rhargett, H-A-R-G-E-T-T, at comcast.net, and his direct phone is 256-764-7444. You can always reach out to us. We'll be happy to connect you with him. Guys, another good interview. See you next time. Thank you. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.